Hi, and welcome to the Sales Enablement Pro Podcast. I am Shauna Simalong. Sales enablement is a constantly evolving space, and we're here to help professionals stay up to date on the latest trends and best practices so that they can be more effective in their jobs. Today, I'm excited to have Eric Lindros from Culture Amp join us. Eric, I would love for you to introduce yourself, your role, and your organization to our audience. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. So excited to be on Sales Enablement Pro. Uh, my name is Eric Lindros. Uh, a little bit about me. I love traveling. I am a proud uncle. I am a wine enthusiast. I just moved to Portland, Oregon after living in Ireland for the last year as well. I'm on an active surrogacy journey to fatherhood. So fingers crossed, I should also be a new papa by end of year. And I love all things enablement, of course. Uh, recently, I've joined Coltramp as their revenue enablement partner with a focus on building out our go-to-market outbound sales motion. If you're not familiar with Coltramp, we are the leading employee experience platform, driving engagement, development, performance, and retention for over 6,000 organizations. Prior to Culture Amp, I was the 24th employee at Gong. Uh, I spent almost four and a half years with the company and held roles that ranged from sales to recruiting, from the SDR enablement manager to the go-to-market global enablement onboarding manager as well. Uh, so that's a little bit about me. And again, I'm so excited to be spending my time with you. Eric, we're so excited to have you on the podcast today. So thank you so much for joining us and bringing this energy. I want to start by talking about maximizing sales productivity because that's top of mind for a lot of companies, especially given the current economic climate. With your experience building global learning programs that scale onboarding, training, and coaching, how can enablement help to drive productivity? Oh, great question. Yeah, right now, onboarding and training is definitely top of mind for everyone, given the current economic environment, especially if your employees are still remote, or I think if you're one of the lucky companies that's still hiring. Um, I think having a strong onboarding program is crucial when facilitating an impactful new hire experience. I think a strong onboarding program will ensure that new hires feel connected, have cross-functional exposure, have access to leaders, mentors, and buddies and are given the resources and content that they need to hit the ground running. Um, I also firmly believe that a strong program is key when driving new hire engagement and productivity. If your board, <laughs> sorry, sorry to say this, but if your board, your new hires are also bored, and that's a ton of time, information, and enablement resources that's just going in one ear and out the other. I think that when properly engaged and when there are a variety of learning styles incorporated into the programs that you're running, you're going to see that engagement and you're going to see the adoption results that you're looking for. And those desired results, of course, are going to lead to a decrease in your ramp time of new hires and just employee retention long term. Uh, so when it comes to new hire onboarding specifically, I see onboarding really as the initial foundation that training programs and reinforcement programs should be built off of to ensure a deep understanding and skill set of one's new role. I think that is fantastic advice. And now, again, because you, you have that kind of global experience, what are some of the unique challenges, though, that maybe come along with designing global programs that really kind of address regional markets? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that question is a trigger. <laughs> the first thing the first thing that comes to mind time zones ah 
(laughs) (laughs) Definitely time zones are going to be a challenge. But I think in, you know, how you overcome that challenge to the best of your ability, try and overlap as many live sessions as you can, right? If I have a US and an EMEA onboarding or training, I know that I have EMEA until like 6 p.m. their time, which means I'm going to get as much out of that 8 to 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time slot as I can. Because A, I want to ensure that teams feel really connected and not siloed from a global perspective. And B, I want to drive engagement and performance. And C, I want to guarantee a space for global mindshare and just bonding. Right. So when it comes to sessions and trainings that might fall outside of those overlapped hours, I am going to make sure that I record every single one of those sessions. And then I'm going to build global library folders of that content to ensure that I drive foundational consistency across the teams. And also, I want to make sure I'm tracking against the completion of any of those self-led programs and trainings to ensure I measure the adoption as well from a global lens. Now, now that I'm thinking about it, I also think tech is definitely something that can be a challenge if you don't have the right tech resources in place. Uh, in my opinion, if you're not recording and analyzing the impact of your global sessions, you're never going to scale or have the organizational and go-to-market consistency in the way that you want. I also think that it's really important for you to utilize your learning management system have a knowledge-based platform for collaboration, invest in an e-learning solution. I think with all of that, you're also going to help drive reinforcement and development across your teams. Over here at Coltramp, I am lucky enough to have all of those resources. And from a global lens, I do not know what I would do without them, specifically because we have teams over in APAC, over in EMEA, and over here in North America. I'd love to actually drill into that a lot because it sounds like you have teams all around the world. And obviously, there's a lot of differences in background and cultures uh, if you're scaling global programs. How do you build a program that makes sense for different geographies? Oh, such a good question. I think first you have to seek to understand, right? Be slow to build and fast to listen is my mantra, which is why we have two ears (laughs) and one mouth, right? From a foundational level, I think that there should be a program baseline that reflects the company first, right? When we're thinking about this, your company values, your value proposition, your buyer personas, your customer use cases, your leadership accessibility should be the same regardless of geography. So build that foundation and then scale it because that's how employees feel engaged and bought into a mission. Uh, For example, our mission at Coltramp is to improve the lives of 100 million people with our platform. And I, I guarantee you, even in the short amount of time I've been here, you can feel that that is our mission and that everybody is fighting for it every single day, regardless of location, because it was a part of our global onboarding experience. So I say double down on that baseline and then build programs that reflect the nuances of your diverse teams and regions. And again, my grandmother always taught us growing up, never be the smartest one in the room, right? She said, if you're the smartest one in the room, get out of that room because you're not learning, you're not growing, you're not being challenged. So do not try to be the smartest one in the room if it's not your culture. 
right? Don't build your programs around your own preconceived ideas of what should work. I highly encourage you to seek out employees or consultants in those regions and let them be the smartest one in the room. You know, also, I, I think a huge challenge that I've also experienced while building out global programs is not understanding that there are global market differences, right? And thinking that, oh, what worked for you in this one place is going to guarantee success in another, right? I have seen this time and time again, you know, well, that's what we do in the US, right? Or, oh, that's that's what we do in EMEA, right? So let's cut and copy that for other regions. And I think that this approach is literally the deathbed for so many organizations trying to expand globally or scale programs and training efforts. Every single region is different and taking a very thorough and intentional approach to understanding those differences is imperative to see success. Uh, when it comes to global programs, you know, talk tracks are received differently. The competitive landscape is different. Company brand and awareness is never apples to apples in my experience, right? So marketing and lead gen efforts need to be adjusted accordingly. And right, global programs have to reflect those incongruencies in order to be successful as well. Um, and let's also you know, make note that work-life balance looks very different across continents, right? And that has to be factored into global programs and just the conversation also. The, the live to work mentality in North America is alive and well, <laughs> right? Compared to, you know, sort of the work to live mindset that you see, you know, with a lot of organizations in Europe. So again, I think that's a huge challenge that one should be aware of when, you know, building out these global programs and just have that sort of top of mind to have a conversation around with, you know, your leadership team and your enablement team as well. Your grandmother sounds like a very smart woman. I have to say, I love that advice. Very, very smart. <laughs> now, in addition to your experience with the global programs, you're also really passionate about DEI or diversity and inclusion in the workplace. What are some of your best practices for creating an open and inclusive environment for learning? Oof, what a question. I feel like I could talk about this for hours. Uh, I say first, be your authentic self and be unapologetic about it. And this obviously looks different for everyone, and that's completely okay, as long as you always feel comfortable. So when it comes to feeling comfortable, bring your partners, your children, your weekend activities to your work conversations, right? Obviously, as long <laughs> as it's professional, don't, don't make a career limiting move. That is not what I am. That's not what I'm proposing here, but, but show up as your authentic self, right? Join an employee resource group or otherwise known as an ERG. And if there isn't one, start one, right? At Gong, I created Proud Gongsters with the help of my CMO, Udi Lettergore, which was an LGBTQ plus gongster led community for the workplace. Here at Coltramp, they already had incredible resources and ERGs in place. So my first day, I was added to Camp Out and was immediately a part of a community where I felt accepted and supported. I'm also a huge fan of building a DEI or ERG session into your onboarding for general boot camp so that new hires understand the DNA of your company and are encouraged to show up as their true and authentic self from week one or day one. 
at Culture Amp, we are very, very heavy on using our pronouns in our Slack and Zoom profiles, which creates a safe space for others to also just show up. And it also tells them that we support you for whoever you are. I would also say be intentional about training on unconscious biases so that you can educate your talent teams, your hiring managers, and your employees. Fight literally fight to have a diverse workplace and a diversity in your leadership team so that people see themselves in all aspects of the organization. Um, as you can tell, I think there's a lot that you can do, but I guarantee if you do any of the things I've just mentioned, you are going to create a space that promotes open and inclusive environments. And people are just going to learn organically because they feel comfortable. Uh, and last but not least, if your company doesn't want to support what I mentioned uh, to you, or you feel like you have to hide yourself, bye, right? Like find a company and a leader that does support you for you. I could not agree more, Eric, with that statement. And you just touched on this just a second ago, but I'd love to drill into this a little bit more. And that's around leadership's role in this. So what advice do you have to leaders of global teams to help them create a more inclusive team culture? Listen to this podcast. Yes. (laughs) It's my my first advice. Uh, Follow Sales Enablement Pro. I promise. No no plug intended. I know you didn't make me say that. Um, But no, uh, jokes aside, educate yourself, right, around DEI initiatives and other cultural norms so that you can be a leader who educates others. Um, Create a space where diversity is not just tolerated, but it's absolutely celebrated. Uh, Demand an atmosphere that promotes psychological safety for absolutely everyone on your team, right? Be curious, right? Just be curious about others. Ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask questions that you might not know the answer to. I feel like a lot of times we're so scared to look silly or or stupid or, or ask the wrong thing when it comes to something that we don't know. But in my experience, I promise you that your teams are going to welcome this dialogue because it shows that you care and that you want to grow and you want to become more aware of something that maybe you don't understand. I'd say provide anonymous feedback surveys as well and be open, not defensive, about the results and data. If you're not collecting employee engagement data around these conversations, I firmly believe that you should be, especially if you have global teams, because Everybody is different, right? And everybody needs something different. No plug intended, but I do know a platform, <laughs> Culture Amp, <laughs> Culture Amp <laughs> that can help you if you want to talk to me about that further. But yeah, I think those are just a few things that, that a leader can do to really drive a, a more inclusive culture within their teams. Well, absolutely. And I will outright plug it because I have used Culture Amp before in the ah. past at companies. <laughs> and I have to say, I absolutely love it. And it, it does exactly what it is intended to do, particularly around DEI and B. So that is near and dear to me. So I'm all about the plug for this one. I love that. I love that. Thank you. Eric, closing question for you. And again, this kind of goes back to the environment that we're in today, at least particularly in the tech sector. But how can teams balance a healthy culture with what a lot of companies are feeling around the need to maximize productivity? Oh, oh my gosh. Trigger again (laughs) for me. As somebody who has experienced a burnout uh, professionally, this, this one definitely hits home. 
I think it's really important to find a healthy balance of people first. And I think that once you do that, productivity and business will seamlessly overlap. There's actually just a quote I recently heard from Brad Bird, who's an Academy Award-winning director. And he said, if you have a low morale for every dollar you spend, you get about 25 cents of value. And if you have a high morale for every dollar you spend, you get about $3 of value. Companies should pay more attention to morale. And for me, I totally agree. So find sort of what that people first balance looks like and everything else I think is going to come to place. I also think it's really important right now more than ever in a remote environment, if you do have remote teams or global teams have really clear expectations around KPIs, right? What does that look like for you and for your team? I've now been a part of two different companies where we've had company-wide recharge days. And I think that that's an incredible way to create a healthy culture of balance as well. It also shows your employees that you value them and you care. And when you demonstrate that to your team, to your employees, when that's a part of your DNA, again, to sort of that quote I mentioned, you're going to see the return because people are going to want to work harder for you and for your mission. Also, I, I actually encourage people to take time off to recharge, right? to reset. This is something I, I haven't always been good at myself, especially over the last few years and now this remote environment that we've, a lot of us, I should say, have found ourselves in. But burnout is so real, right? And I've worked for companies in the past where there's unlimited PTO, right? <laughs> but no one actually takes it because mm -hmm. it's a bait and switch. And every tech company says unlimited PTO, but really that means nothing, right? And I've also worked for companies where there was, you know, 20 paid business days, right, of vacation that were on a use or lose type model. And question, do you think I took my 20 days? Yes, I took my 20 days and I was actually able to disconnect. So again, every company is different. Every team is different. You have to find what works for you to establish that, you know, healthy culture with balance while also maximizing productivity. But those are some, some of the things that I've seen work for myself and teams that I've been a part of. I love that. Eric, thank you so much for joining us today. I, it has been an energizing discussion. So thank you so much. No, thank you. The pleasure. The pleasure is all mine. Thank you so much. To our audience, thanks for listening. For more insights, tips, and expertise from sales enablement leaders, visit salesenablement.pro. If there's something you'd like to share or a topic you'd like to learn more about, please let us know. We'd love to hear from you.